Well, today we have the privilege of starting a, a series of messages uh, with Pastor Daryl Huffman and Miss Bonnie are with us, and we're so excited to have them, amen, here at Anchor Faith Church. They are like family um, with us, and they've imparted a lot into my wife and I, into the staff here, and then in, in you as a body, because it's not like this is uh, Pastor Daryl's first time being with us. Uh, maybe this is the first time you've heard him, but he's been with us on multiple occasions. But I want to say this before he comes. They've recently uh, had a transition in ministry. The Lord has directed them to go in a direction, and he'll uh, share a little bit more about that. I don't want to co communicate that aspect, but I do want to say this, that the Bible tells us in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, that he gave gifts unto men. Well, every one of us have a gift from God. When he makes that statement, that means everyone in this room, God has gifted you with something that he expects you to unwrap and present to the world. That's what he expects. But he goes on later in the 11th verse and he says, and some, meaning some gifts he gave as, and he lists five of them, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Now, a lot of times, you know, uh, we don't always talk about the role of the apostle, even though we see it's clearly lined out in the word and um, we don't hear that particular uh, title on people too often, although we bring them in here. You know, Apostle Lafayette Scales, we talk about him and Apostle Estrada, we talk about him. But you understand, Pastor Darrell really is an apostle. He has started multiple works. Not only did he start the church that he pastored over 30 years, been in ministry for over 40, but he has helped start many works and continues to hold a covering over many pastors within uh, the region that he's from. So by all rights, he operates as an apostle. And the reason I bring that up is because, you know what, I, I love the pastoral anointing on his life. But he's moving into a new season, so I want to draw on the anointing that he's moving into, and it's the role of the apostle. So would you give a warm welcome, Anchor Faith welcome, to Apostle Daryl Huffman. Well, praise the Lord. Lift your hands up and give the Lord a great praise this morning. Amen. Come on, give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. It's, it's great to be with you today. We're excited. Praise the Lord. My lovely wife, Bonnie, and I, we enjoy coming and being a part of here. We tell everyone that, uh, of course, we have our home in, in Huntington, but Anchor Faith is, is our second home. Praise God. Amen. Our second church. And then also our daughter, uh, I shared this in the first church, you know, her and her husband, they pastor in, in Burlington, North Carolina. That's the closest place you'd recognize. But anyway, in that area. But they've been there. And so, you know, we just recently, Pastor Earl was just sharing, we just recently set our son in as the lead pastor at New Life Church there in Huntington. And so he's he's doing the the, the pastoral work, and we, we've been released to go out and travel and stuff. And so... Uh, the first thing happens is that is this my daughter uh, she gets in touch with us and says you know there's a home right down here near where we live and you've been up there with Josh long enough why don't you and mom move down here and be with us amen and so then my son came to me and he knows we enjoy coming down here and he says Dan you and mom aren't moving to Florida are you <laughs> 
I said, no, right now we're staying where we're at, praise God. But uh, but it's great to be here. We love Pastor Earl and Marcy. We just love, and we love you guys. We appreciate being here and, and, and enjoy what God's doing. And we are, we're traveling now. We're out ministering and, and just uh, believe God has a good new season for us. And I believe God has a new season for all of us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe this is a good time. We're starting a new decade. Yeah. Praise God. 2020. So we're getting to start all over and do something new. Amen. And I believe God's going to do some great things, not just in the next 10 years, but in this year. Amen. So praise God. But anyway, how many of you ready to receive the word of God this morning? How many of you believe God has something good for you? Well, most hands went up. What are the rest of you believing for? Anybody? <laughs> praise God. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now and praise you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here, leading us, guiding us, and directing us. Lord, we just believe you that you give us the words to say and that, Lord, you'll work with those words and confirm them in the hearts and lives of the people. For, Lord, you're always watching over your word to perform it. And we thank you for giving us ears to hear and eyes to see. And I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation be poured out upon every person. And Lord God, may our hearts be open and flooded with light and revelation knowledge of the truth of your word. And we set ourselves to be hearers of the word and receivers of the word and doers of the word. And we thank you, Lord, for confirming your word in each and every one of our lives. And we thank you for signs, wonders, and miracles being done in the name of the Lord Jesus. For it's in the Lord's name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. I want you to turn to Jeremiah. And we're going to look in chapter 29, if you want to uh, turn there and look at praise God and believe God with me. I just want to share with you a little bit about uh, God's vision for you, God's plan for you. Getting a hold of, of, of a, you know, what does God want to do in my life? What is the will of God? What is God saying? What is God doing? What is, you know, what's my part? What's going to happen in my life? You know, we should not be living in confusion. We should not be living in wonderment. We should be living in the revelation of what God's plan is for our life. Amen. And God has a plan for each one of us. Just like Pastor Earl was saying, not only does God have a gift for each one of us, but along with that gift, he gives us the grace to fulfill that gift. And then he gives us a revelation on how to use that gift. Amen? And so each one of us should be seeking the Lord and finding out what God is planning, what God's purposes are, and what he wants to do in our lives. Amen? And here in Jeremiah chapter 29... God is speaking through the prophet, and really he's ministering to him, and, and he had said a verse or two earlier, he said, you know, I'm going to bring you out of the bondage you've been in, bring you out of the captivity, bring you into this good land. And then he gets down here in verse 11, he says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Now, one translation says, I know the thoughts and the plans that I think and have towards you. Amen? How many of you know that God has a good plan for your life? Isn't it good to know that God is thinking about you today? Amen. See, you need to understand something. The Lord is always thinking about you. He's always planning for you. He's got good things for you. And so we begin to look at this and we say, praise God, God, you're thinking about me. You have plans for me. Well, what are those plans and what is God saying? He says, thoughts of peace and not of evil. Whoo, that ought to get you shouting. Praise God. Amen. You know that, that word peace there brings prosperity, success, and victory. It's what it's talking about. Amen. Peace of mind, peace of life it means that you're prospering. That means you're successful. And notice he says, he says, I've, I've got thoughts and plans of peace, not of evil. In other words, I want to see good things happen in your life, not bad things happen in your life. Amen. And then he goes on, he says, to give you a future and a hope. 
So God is speaking to the children of Israel who had rebelled against him, who had gone in bondage, and God comes to them right out of this, and he says, listen, he says, I want you to understand, I'm not holding anything against you that got you in a mess. I'm not thinking about your past. I'm not thinking about your failures. I'm not thinking about all the problems you've got. He said, what I'm wanting you to know is I'm not thinking so much about your past as I'm thinking about your future. Hallelujah. And he says, I want you to know exactly what I think about you. Because anybody here, you ever messed up and wonder how God thought about it? God don't love me anymore, you know. And religion will tell you that. Amen. Well, you're, you're just out of it because, you know, you haven't lived up to God's, you know, measure. And so God probably don't love you anymore. And God's not for you. God's not ever going to use you anymore. But the Lord is speaking through the prophet as he's brought the people out of a mess that they created for themselves. Amen. How many of you come to the revelation that when you get in a mess, you're the one who created it? Amen. Huh? And so God is speaking to the prophet to reassure his people that, you know, even though you have been in captivity, even though you've turned, even though you've got away from me, you've, you've failed in, in your walk with me, I want you to know what I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking good thoughts. I'm thinking peace thoughts. I'm thinking prosperity thoughts. I'm thinking success thoughts. I'm thinking about you being victorious. I'm not thinking about getting even with you. I'm not thinking about judging you. I'm not thinking about putting you down. I'm not thinking about looking for somebody else. I'm thinking about doing good things for you, not evil things to you. And I have a plan for your life. Hallelujah. And you know what my plan is, is to give you a future that's filled with hope. Hallelujah. One translation says to give you an expected end. In other words, to bring your expectations to fruit. Amen. Isn't that good? In other words, God says, I'm going to turn this thing around for you. Praise the Lord. And so he says, he says, my plans are to give you a future with hope. And the word hope all throughout the Bible, when you study it out, the definition for hope is always joyful, confident expectations. Woo, hallelujah. You know what God is saying here? He says, here's my plan for you. Here's my thoughts for you. My thoughts now are to put your past behind you and bring peace into your life and to get you out of the evil and out of the enemy's clutches and bring you to a place where you forget those things which are behind and you begin to look ahead into your future. And when you look ahead into your future, you have joy, you have confidence, and you have expectations that I'm going to do great and mighty things for you. Come on, church. I'm going to change your attitude. I'm going to change your walk. I'm going to change how you see yourself. I'm going to change you from walking around, you know, in the dumps to somebody that's excited. Come on. Somebody who's looking forward to getting up in the morning. Are you hearing me? Somebody that no matter what battle's going on right now, you're looking ahead and you get excited because you haven't expected in. In other words, I'm battling sickness, but praise God, God has told me he's got a future with hope in it and my hope is to be healed. So therefore, I am battling this sickness with a joy, with a confidence, with an expectation that by his stripes, I am healed. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Well, my family's a mess right now, but you know what? I'm going to hook up with God's thoughts and God's plans for me, and God's thoughts and God's plan is not evil and, and destruction in my family. God's thoughts and God's plans are good things to happen in my family, so I'm going to make that my hope. I'm going to hook up with that future, and I'm going to believe God, and I'm going to start having joy and excitement in my faith again. Amen? 
See, these are things that the Lord is speaking to us, and he's wanting us to get a hold of, and he's wanting to declare in our lives, and, and we have to hook up with that. And, and, and just, just to show you, look in Proverbs, the 29th chapter. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, is a verse that I've, I've preached on probably as much or more so than any other verse in the Bible because I get around Christians and most of them don't have a vision or a revelation or anything of who they are and what God's wanting to do in their life. And in Proverbs 29, 18, the King James Version says it like this, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So notice he says, where there's no vision. Well, what's the vision that we're supposed to have? We're supposed to have the vision of God's thoughts and plans for us. Amen? You see, I'm not going to walk in victory till I think like God wants to think. And, I'm, and my plans are what God's plans are. Amen? And so for me to walk in success and victory, I have to have a vision of God's plans for my life. Amen? Now, the New King James reads it like this, where there is no revelation the people perish or cast off restraint, and but happy is he who keeps the law. Notice he says where there's no vi vision in King James and where there's no revelation. One says you're going to perish. The other one says you cast off restraint. The Amplified brings it out a little bit even more, and he says where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. No redemptive revelation of God. That brings it out pretty good, doesn't it? So when you begin to look at this, you know what he's saying? He's saying you as a believer, if you don't want your life constantly being defeated and still walking in the failures that you walked in as a sinner, now that you are a child of God, what you have to do is get a revelation of your redemption in Christ Jesus and what Jesus did for you on the cross because if you don't get that, you're going to perish. Oh, I'm a believer, brother, but I'm not going to perish. I know believers all over this country that are perishing. The word perish means to come to ruin or to cast off restraint. Actually, that word vision, you know, I got to looking at it. I said, Lord, show me something because, you know, we talk about 2020, you know, and 2020 is perfect vision. Amen. And so, you know, I said, Lord, you know, how can I tie this in with this, this year and, and begin to declare this? And the Lord said, look what that word vision in the Hebrew, it not only means revelation, but it also, one, trans, one, one definition is sight. Amen. Where people can't see it, they're going to perish. Somebody says, what are you talking about? You can't see it. Have you ever been around somebody and you're telling them something? They just, you know, I just can't see that. I just don't see it that way. You know what? They're still blinded. They don't have a revelation of it. Right. Have you ever gone along yourself? And you just, you, you know, maybe you've got something there. You, you know, uh, you ever try to put something together and you got the instructions? And you go through those instructions a few times. You go, man, I don't see how they do that. That means you don't have a revelation. Right. What happens whenever you don't have a revelation you can't see it? You can't put it together, can you? You're just frustrated because you know it's supposed to go together, but you're having a hard time getting it together. But you know what? You're sitting there, and you look at it, and you read it again. You look over here, and you see the thing, and all of a sudden, a light goes off. You go, oh, I see it. This part goes in the ear. 
Okay, that's exactly what he's saying here in Proverbs. He's saying if you don't get before God and get a revelation of his thoughts and plans, they're not going to do you any good. But you've got to get to the place where you get to God where you actually see God's plan for your situation. Amen. That means you come out of darkness into light. It actually dawns on you. And all of a sudden you go, oh, I see it now. I used to be a sinner. I got saved. Now I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I, I, I messed up, but the blood of Jesus Christ cleaned me up. And now, praise God, I stand holy and righteous before God. See, you begin to get a revelation, and you start operating in that revelation. And that revelation then begins to bring you over into a place where God can perform his thoughts and plans in your life. Amen? Notice he says this, if you don't get that revelation, you're going to cast off restraints. You know what he's saying there? He's saying until you get a revelation of who you are in Christ, you're not going to act any different. You're not going to talk any different. Your attitudes aren't going to be any different, and you're going to be like the world. Amen. How many of you found, you know, true believers, they love the Lord, they go to church, but you get out and around them and you can't tell the difference between them and anybody else? Huh? Well, what's the problem? Don't they love the Lord? Sure they love the Lord, but they haven't gotten a revelation yet of how God wants to work in their life. How many of you found out when you got born again, you still had the same mind and same body? Huh? Anybody had, still have some wrong thoughts after you got saved? Sure you did. Amen. Anybody's body want to go to the wrong places even after you got saved? Maybe say the wrong words? Treat people the wrong way? Huh. And I'm a child of God. I'm a believer. Why is that working? Because where there is no revelation of who you are in Christ Jesus, you will not have restraints in your life and direction in your life, and therefore you cannot come to the expected end God has for you because you don't know how to cooperate and work with God to get there. Amen? So somebody says, what am I going to have to do? Well, I'll tell you what you're going to have to do. Romans 12, 1 says that we're not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Isn't that right? That why? So we can so that we may be able to prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So there in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he tells us we're to present our bodies to God. We're to get our mind renewed with God. We're to be transformed, not act like the rest of the world, think like the rest of the world, and whatever. So he says here, you have to get into the Word of God, and you have to let that Word begin to change the way you see yourself. Amen? See, we talk about vision a lot of times, Pastor, and everybody's talking, we think about, oh, yeah, the vision, go you in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But you know where vision starts? Vision starts with seeing me different. Because I can't turn anybody else and make them different until I start making me different. And a lot of us are failing in our walk with God is because we don't see ourselves any different. Are you hearing me? We come and we hear a message like this, and we say, God's thinking good thoughts about me. God has a good plan for me. God wants me to have an expected end. Hallelujah. And we walk right out defeated and, and, and in bondage and insecurity and unworthiness, and we don't, our faith won't work. We don't believe God will hear our prayers. Why? Because we haven't made that revelation our revelation. That revelation is not influencing us. See, to, he says, where there's no revelation, my people cast off restraints. What's that mean? The word is not influencing my decisions. 
See, the word has become law because he goes on and he says this, but happy is he that keepeth the law. So what's he talking about? He's not talking about going back under the old covenant and keeping the works of the law. He's saying, take my word and make my word the law you live by. Amen? Make my word the rule that you live by. Don't let the world determine the standard of your life. Let the word determine the standard of your life. Don't let the world be the rule of your life. Let the word be the rule of your life. Because when you're allowing the word to determine how you think, the word determines how you treat people, the word determines how you see yourself, then all of a sudden you're going to be blessed, happy, and to be envied, the Amplified says. Amen? And so it's, it's vital that here in the beginning of this, this new decade, this year, and this next 10 years, we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. We have to be changed and transformed, and we can no longer walk around carrying the baggage of the past. We have to do what God was telling Jeremiah to say to his people, listen, I'm bringing you out of that bondage. I'm bringing you out of that captivity, and I have good thoughts. I don't have evil thoughts. I'm not bringing up your past. I'm not bringing up all these things. I have a future for you, and that future is full of expectation and hope and blessing, and here's what I need you to do. I need you to get in my word and get a vision and a revelation of who you are in Christ and find out what happened in the redemptive plan of God when he sent Jesus on the cross for you. Amen? Where there's no redemptive revelation, my people are destroyed and held in bondage. Meaning what? You need to know what it means to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. You need to have this confidence and revelation in you that you say, according to Hebrews, I can approach the throne of God with boldness and absolute courage because I'm a child of God, washed in the blood of the Lamb, robed in His righteousness, and I myself can come into the presence of God myself and obtain grace and mercy in my time of need to help me to get through this because I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God, and God loves me. Hallelujah. See, that has to become the revelation that your faith is built upon, praise God. Amen. Amen. And guess what? You are the one who has to see that. Are you hearing me? And see, th- this is God's will for his people. He knows he said, where there's no vision, the people perish. In other words, I've got a plan for you to walk in success, but you as a person have to get the revelation of my thoughts and plans to walk in that success. Amen? So how are we going to do it? Well, I quoted this earlier in the first service, but let's turn and look at it in this service. John chapter 8. Look over here in John's gospel, the 8th chapter. Hallelujah. Here the Lord Jesus is is speaking and teaching and and ministering, and this is just a, a great chapter. Praise God. In John chapter 8 and verse 30, the Bible says, And as he spoke these words, as Jesus was speaking the word, many believed in him. Now, notice this. Jesus is speaking the word to these people, and they believe in him. Why did they believe in him? They accepted his word. Amen? So they were believing him according to his word. Guess what, church? That is a revelation to you and me. You know how you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? According to his word. But notice there's another revelation here. They didn't just believe in Jesus because they read the word. They heard the word. 
That word became a spoken word to them. You know how you're going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is when this Bible stops being something you read and it becomes God talking to you. Amen? See, I have to let this word speak to me, and I have to believe the Lord according to his word. 1 Peter 1.23 says, we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Amen? In other words, I have to let this word speak into me and believe on the Lord according to what he says. You can't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ unless you have his word for it. You know how you make Jesus your healer? You get in healing scriptures, and now all of a sudden they speak to you, and you believe that he is the healer because the word says that by his stripes you were healed. Come on. And so it says they, that, that as he spoke these words, many believed on him as they heard the word. So my question to you is this. Were they believers? Well, the Bible says they were. Isn't that right? So they're believers. Isn't that right? That means they've got a relationship with the Lord. Isn't that right? So accepted the word, they accept who he is, they believe. So let's just take it and bring it in our situation. If you accept the word, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're a believer. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. It means I've entered into a relationship of covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. But now look at the next words that he says to them. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed to him, if you abide or continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now, wait a minute. Verse 30 said they believed the words Jesus spoke to them, and so they entered, so they're believers. But the next two verses tell me something else. Even though they're believers, they're not yet disciples, and they're not free. Amen? There are a lot of believers go to church every Sunday, and they're not disciples, and they're not free. Somebody says, what do you mean they're not disciples? A disciple is a learner and a follower of the teachings of their leader. Amen? And so the Lord Jesus says, okay, now that you've become a believer, let me show you how to be free. Let me show you how to walk in the plan of God. Let me show you how now to apply what I've done for you through my redemptive revelation in Christ. In other words, he's saying, now that you're a believer, you have access to the plans and purposes of God, but you'll never walk him and never experience him until you do this. Number one, you've got to get into my word, and you've got to continue in my word until that word starts talking to you. You know what a lot of us don't have faith for something? It's because we started with the word, but we didn't continue with it until it spoke to us. You didn't have faith and believe you could get it the first day, so you quit. You know what you should have done? You should have stayed right in there and did what the Lord said and continued with it until it became the dominant truth of your life. And when that word becomes more real to you than your problem, you'll have faith to move your problem and receive the blessing of the word. Amen? But you see, we have to continue with it. We have to abide in it. We have to live in it until it becomes the truth. This is not just Holy Scripture. This has to go from Holy Scripture to God's truth speaking to me. Amen? And so Jesus says you have to continue with this. You have to get in this. And he says, here's what you'll do. If you continue in my word... Make a decision. You're not coming out of it. I'm going to tell you what that word will do. It'll teach you how to follow me. It'll teach you how to act on my truth. 
And then when the enemy comes attacking you and trying to tear you down and defeat you, that truth of the word will be the dominant force and not the lie of the enemy. Amen? See, here's the thing, folks. Sickness and disease is a truth. It's real. But 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes you were healed, is the truth. Are you hearing me? And the truth will always defeat a truth if it's the most real thing in your heart. But the truth has to come off of that page and get into me and become a revelation to me and become a, 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 a set of rules in my life. Are you hearing me? It becomes a restraint in my life. What are you talking about? I'm talking about this. I have taken the word and made it a restraint in my life. Meaning what? It restrains me from talking doubt and unbelief. It restrains me from doubting God. It restrains me from getting upset, throwing my hands up and quitting. In other words, the word becomes the restraint. It becomes the strength to help me to hold fast my confession whenever I don't see anything happening. Are you hearing me? It maintains the hope in my heart whenever it doesn't look like it's working. It causes me to maintain a confidence in God when it looks like I'm going under. It causes me to believe that I have an expected end when it looks like it's over and I'm defeated. Why? Because now, instead of me just living any way I want, the Word has become truth to me, and that truth is dominating me. And any time I start saying, I ain't going to make it, that Word jumps up and says, don't think like that. Don't talk like that. Greater is he that's in you than he's against you. If God be for you, who can be against you? No, in all these things, you're more than conquerors. Now, don't you talk down. You get right in the face of the devil and start speaking your faith. And you know what happens when you know that truth? He said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. In other words, that truth will set you free. It's the truth that defeats the devil in the attack. Amen? And so all of a sudden, my life is changing. All of a sudden, I'm a follower of the teachings of Jesus. You know what happened whenever they got around these disciples? They said, you know what? You guys have been with Jesus, haven't you? You're talking like him. You're walking like him. You even acting like him. Amen. And you know what? That wasn't just the Lord's will for some people. That's his will for all of his people. Notice he didn't say, for without a vision, some people will perish. No, he said, without a vision, all the people perish. So you turn that around and you say, where there is a vision, none of the people will perish. Oh, come on. In other words, if I get a vision, I can reverse that verse and say it like this. Instead of saying, where there is no vision, the people perish, I can say, where there is a vision, we prosper. So, Lord, my faith is going to prosper this year because I have a revelation that God is going to get me through. I'm learning his thoughts. I'm learning his plans. I'm learning his purpose for my life. And I'm not going to let my mistakes of the past Cause me to miss out on the future that God has for me. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody say, Brother Darrell, you're preaching too easy for people to sin. No, 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 I'm not preaching for easy sin. It, 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 everybody's sinning without me making it easy. <laughs> what I'm doing is I'm making it easy for you to put your sins in your past and look ahead and see the future that God has for you. 
And you see, you and I have to do that. You, it's not something that somebody else can do for you. You know, Philippians 3, the apostle Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I, I press forward, I strive, I'm, I, I make myself press toward that which God has before me. Notice Paul didn't call up, you know, Barnabas and Timothy and say, hey, would y'all pray for me and press in and forget some things for me? I know I've sent prayer cloths out, but could y'all send me a prayer cloth? What do you need that prayer cloth for, Paul? I, I need you to, to forget those things which are behind for me. I need you to press in and spend extra time in the Word for me this year so that my faith will grow. Oh, it's gotten quiet in this Presbyterian church, hasn't it? Amen. Come on. No, Paul had to take responsibility. And here in John chapter 8, the Lord Jesus is telling the believers, now, now that you believe, I've got great things for you, but you have to take this responsibility on yourself. Now, you need to make a decision to get in the Word. Now, you need to make the decision that you're going to stay with that Word until it becomes the dominant truth of your life. Till it changes the way you see it. Till it changes the way you talk about it. Until it changes your walk and changes your talk and changes your attitude. And all of a sudden when you show up, you're showing up with some expectation in you that cannot be taken away from you. You go into every battle believing you're going to win the victory, praise God. You fight every fight of faith knowing that the mountain is going to be moved. You pray every prayer believing that you're going to see the answer come forth and God's going to move in your life. And you go to work and you believe God's going to bless the labor of your hands and he's going to make you a blessing in your environment. You go out into your family and you call them together and say, this is our year to thrive. Hallelujah. This is our year to walk in victory. And we're going to overcome every obstacle, every devil, every lie, everything the enemy's thrown because our past is under the blood of Jesus and God has a plan for my life and it's a good plan. Hallelujah. And now all of a sudden that truth is changing you. Hallelujah. See, we should, in a year from now, be unrecognizable. I'm not talking about looks. I'm talking about whenever somebody gets around and says, ooh, something has happened to you. Man, you used to be Mr. and Mrs. Doom and Gloom. Huh? Miss Needy and Mr. Complaint. But now all of a sudden, you guys act like, whoa, what is going on in your life? i tell you what's going on in my life. I got transformed through the power of God's word. I caught a hold, and I can see what God's wanting to do in my life. And it has changed me. And now instead of me walking around hoping something happens, I am proving God's will in my life. Oh, come on, you have to hear it again. Listen to this. Most of us are going around hoping something happens, but in Romans chapter 12, he says you change your mind and get transformed so you can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Meaning what? I can walk into a bad situation and prove that God in me is greater than that problem. Come on, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm going to prove to you, Mr. Devil, that you can't defeat me this year. Amen. Why? Because God said, as I change my thinking, change my attitudes, renew myself, and see what he has for me, I have the ability within me at that point in time to prove his will in my life. That means what? I can stand on his word and watch it come to pass in my life. 
Now, what happens to this area when each one of you get the revelation of who you are in Christ Jesus and what you can do in Christ Jesus and start proving it in your life? What happens in your home when you, your first reaction to a problem is not, oh my God, what are we going to do? But your first reaction is, greater is he that's in me, and blessed be God, devil, you are not going to win. God's going to get me through this thing. Paul went through some storms. If I have to go through a storm, I'll just pray and praise and get my way right on through because I'm going on, and I'm going to have the end that God said I can have. Amen? Amen? What are my thoughts and plans for you? That you might have an expected end. An end that is full of God's grace and God's mercy. Amen? Now, we're going to have battles to fight. We're going to have things we're going to have to deal with. But I want to tell you something, folks. Greater is he that's in us than he that's against us. And the Bible says this, blessed is he that keepeth the law. Uh-oh, there's a second revelation here. Let me finish it with this second revelation. Notice in Proverbs 29, 18, he says, Blessed is the one who keeps the law. Keeps the law. For me to keep something means that I protect it and don't let it get stolen from me. You know what your battle is? Your battle is not only learning God's will, but standing and hanging on to it so the devil can't steal it from you. To keep something means that God is telling me I need to be on my guard because there may be somebody or something out there that's going to try to take it from me. Yeah. Amen? So not only do I have to practice this word, I have to keep this word. I have to take possession of this word. In Mark chapter 4, anybody ever read over there the parable of the sower? Jesus taught the sower. In verse 14, the Bible says that, that the sower went out to sow the word. And in verse 15, it says, And these are they by the wayside who heard the word. And they received that word, got it in their heart. How do you know? Because it says, And immediately Satan came to take away the word that was sown in their heart. They, they heard it. They celebrated it. They rejoiced over it. But they didn't keep it. And the enemy stole it right out of their heart. You know, you can have the word in your heart and the devil will come in and, and, and he can sneak it right out and steal it from you if you aren't possessing it. Are you hearing me? That's why Jesus said, continue in my word. Meaning what? Just because it's become truth to you doesn't mean you don't stop meditating on it and staying with it. Amen. Hebrews 2 says that we need to hold fast to those things which, which we have heard. That's at any time we let them drift or slip away from us. Amen. So you know what we need to do this year? We need to decide we're going to keep the word. What's that mean? I want to warn you. When the enemy comes in and starts attacking you, know that he's coming to attack and steal the word out of you. That's right. Just like he did in Mark chapter 4. And you wise after the word because the word is truth. And he knows it's the truth of the word that sets you free. So if he can get the word out of you, he can get the truth out of you, and he can hold you in bondage or bring you back into bondage. That's why the Bible says we're to hold fast our confession. That means what? Don't let anybody steal your confession. Don't let the devil stop you from talking God's truth. Amen? And so here he says, if you want to be blessed, and I like what the Amplified says about this in Proverbs. He says, but happy is he... 
But he that keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, this is what he says, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. Right. You know, you didn't get to be blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable of others by letting the devil steal the word out of your life. Right. Right. Amen? Yeah. You know who gets to be blessed, happy, fortunate, and envied by everybody else? The person who digs their heels in. And says, blessed be God, devil, hit me with you, best shot. But you're not getting this word out of me. I'm not backsliding. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to go back in condemnation. I don't care what it looks like. Throw your best storm because God is the God of the storms. He's greater than any storm. Jesus showed us he's bigger than this storm. And you're not getting the word out of me. You're not changing my confession. I'm not going to cast off restraints. I'm not going to act like the world. I'm not going to get out here and then just, just, you know, Tear down everything God's done for me. No, I'm going to stay the same right in the midst of the storm. Amen? And I'm coming through this thing. Why? Because God's will is for me to have a future and a hope. Amen? With an expected end. Meaning what? It's going to end like I expect it. I'm going to say it again. This thing's going to end just like I expect it. Well, how are you expecting it to end? Good. Amen. I'm expecting this to be good. When it's over, it's going to be good. Hallelujah. So you know what I'm doing? I'm going to maintain my confession, hold fast my confession, stay with the truth. I'm going to keep the truth. I'm not going to let it get away from me because in the end, it's going to be good. Hallelujah. And God's going to get the glory. Hallelujah. You ready to fight some good fights this year? You ready to take your stand? You ready to change this place? I mean, we should be a, a gospel-preaching, city-shaking, nation-changing, kingdom of God-establishing church. Amen? Doing everything that God has called us to do, letting the Word of God work, and letting people see Jesus in our lives. Amen? Hallelujah. Stand with me. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up to heaven and say this. Lord Jesus, you are my Lord. And you have given me your written word to speak into my life the truth that sets me free. I place demand upon the anointing of God to impart unto me now vision and revelation of your thoughts and of your plans for my life. And I set myself to have great, joyful, confident expectations that everything will end just like I expected to. I will end victorious. I will end overcoming. I will end giving you glory. I will end with the devil under my feet. And I thank you, Lord, for working in me and bringing insight into my heart and into my mind so that I can see and know your will. And I receive it and I set myself to be a doer of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, lift your hands up and give him praise. Come on, I'm talking, I'm talking to believers this thing. I'm talking to, I'm talking to overcomers, hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and say, I have a vision. That means you're not going to perish. If you got a vision, you are not going to perish in 2020. 
If you've got a vision, you're not going under in 2020. When you have the vision of God operating in your life, you're going to be successful, blessed, happy, fortunate, and envied. Hallelujah. Amen. See, see, a lot of us, we, we've allowed the enemy to attack us and con us to the point where we look at somebody else and we go, I wish we were, I wish I was like them. I wish I had that. Well, you can't get it by wishing. And you can't get it by that attitude. You know what you got to do? You got to, as a believer, get into the presence of God and get in His Word until it becomes your revelation and your truth. And then that truth begins to change you. And all of a sudden, you're walking around and people go, I wish I was like him. I wish I was like her. And you go, who, me? And all of a sudden, you realize, God, you've done a transformation in my life. Man, I'm not a worrywart anymore. I'm not Mr. and Mrs. Doom and Gloom walking around the rain on somebody's parade. I'm not walking around here feeling sorry for myself anymore. And Lord, when I pray, I actually expect to get an answer. Something's happened to me. I'm having fun again. I'm living in victory. Even when storms come my way, I can still see the sunny day that's coming behind it. Hallelujah. I don't see myself going under. I see myself going over. Lord, instead of me having to be prayed for all the time, I'm excited to be praying for others now. Hallelujah. Lord, you're doing things in my life now. See, that's what the Lord wanted for us. That's what he was saying to those folks there in John chapter 8. He was wanting them to come to that place where they could walk in the revelation of the redemption that he was bringing them. Does that mean we're never going to have any battles? No, we're always going to have battles. Come on, what I'm preaching to you today does not exempt you from test trials and struggles. What I'm preaching to you today gives you the, the upper hand so that you can walk in victory through those tests, trials, and struggles and come out on the other side with an expected end. Not the devil's expected end. You're expected end. Amen? And you've made a commitment that I don't care how hard it gets, I am not ever going to separate myself from the Word. I will continue in this Word just like the Lord said. Remember what he said in John 15? He backs this up in John 15. He says this, you can't do anything without me. Amen? When he's teaching over, he says, so if you'll abide in me, my words will abide in you. Then you can ask whatever you desire and it'll come to you. Praise God. And then you know what he finished up that, that discourse there with it? John 15. And you'll produce much fruit. And herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. I don't know about you, but I, 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 I can already, I've been expected in. I'm looking at a congregation that's going to bear much fruit and glorify God this year and change people's lives. And our lives are going to be changed. Because you see, it takes a changed life to change lives. That's why all vision has to start with me. I have to see me the way God sees me. I have to see me doing what God wants me to do through His ability before I can be a part of what He wants to do as a body. Amen? 
Because when we get a group of people that know who they are in Christ, connected with the plan of God, nothing is impossible.